Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8, <laughs> Pac-4 sports business podcast, The Sportacast. That's your best one, dude. I didn't see that coming. I was like, the Pac-12, Pac-10, Big 10, Big 12, Big 5, Power 5. Yeah. Oh, that could have had a, yeah, we didn't start the fire kind of thing. <laughs> could you do a, I'm going to challenge you in your spare oh, time boy. just for fun. I'll give you 24 hours to, a, to give me just like a one stanza, we didn't start the fire with all of the recent movements. And, and there's a lot. You can go school presidents, coaches, nicknames, mascots. There's a million ways you could go with this. And you could restrict it just to the last 72 hours, Scott. Yeah, that's that what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- Thursday night and Friday morning, if you are a college sports fan uh, or if you're a college sports reporter, um, was one of the craziest, I think, 24-hour stretches uh, that industry has can, seen can in I modern times. Can I jump in? Something came in my head. You know how my brain works? I got it. Because I, I was going to say to you, the hardest part would be rhyming Klyovkov. And then I said to myself, no, 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 I'm going to end it with cocktail Molotov, oh. Commissioner Klyovkov. Oh, huh? Okay. Huh? Okay. Look out, Billy Joel. Look out. <laughs> look out. I am the entertainer. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Huh? I'm in Glen um, Ridge. Who needs a house out in Hackensack? <laughs> I got nothing. Um, else. Yeah, so let's let's break down some of this, Scott. I mean, the, go the, try because I'm uh, my head is my head. I, I was spinning with conference realignment as it was like in the last couple of years. This was this was bonkers. So so we spoke a, a few weeks ago when when Colorado announced it was leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. Uh, we, we discussed it as this inflection point for the Pac-12. Either a bunch of other schools were going to leave and the conference would maybe even just disappear, or they were going to have to do something to get everybody together. And uh, it looked like the everybody was going to leave. And then on Friday morning, it looked like they were going to get everybody together. Grant of rights. And then at the last minute, um, Oregon and Washington um, essentially accepted and, and made their move to the Big Ten. Um, it looks like Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State maybe following uh, following quickly in in Utah in Colorado's footsteps over to the Big Twelve, leaving four schools in in the Pac twelve for now. Scott and 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 there's talk of maybe Cal and Stanford maybe following uh, Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten, uh, Washington State and Oregon State. I think no such luck on that f- format. But the 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 first big casualty, first big conference casualty of this new stage of realignment has been the Pac-12. Uh, it seems unlikely that the Pac-12 really has is a thing. 
starting in, in, in two years. We'll see if they can just refill with a bunch of teams from the Mountain West or whatever. But a, a really dark day if you are a Pac-12 football, basketball, insert other sport here fan, because it does seem like the conference is now essentially it will never be the constituted in the way that it, that, that it is this year. So many ways to go. I don't even know where to begin, but let's start by saying that George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, which is now the Pac-4, brought a media deal to the universities. Yep. It, was a, it was an Apple deal, streaming only, probably could have sub-licensed some games that would have given them, what was like $30 million per school? Was that what it was? Yeah, like, that's a what little, we've read. something around there. I've seen some different numbers, and I think the answer is it's the, the total number is going to vary d- d- drastically on, on how the product performed. Right. Just just like MLS, we have a top line number with their Apple deal. But if the MLS Apple product explodes, no deal is going to be worth a lot more money for MLS than the than, than the two point five billion. No truth about. to Inter Miami game being simulcast on the Pac-12 network. No <laughs> truth to that whatsoever is yeah. not happening. Um, so all right, so we the backdrop is years and years of uh, media. Right. It was the 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 Pac-12 had decided that they were going to hold off on any renegotiations, any new deals. That was Larry Scott years ago. We're going we're gonna to bring all of our rights together at a time of escalating value. And boy, are we going to be in a position to capitalize because we're going to have everything. We're going to own everything. And then we're going to go to market and we're going to catch up to the SEC. That was the theory. Of course, Klyovkov came from the gaming world. So then he comes in. Doesn't do a quick deal like Brett Yormark did at the Big 12. He came in, locked in this huge... Um, a linear TV deal right away. Klievkov still thought, no, no, we're going to wait and we're going to see what comes of it. So this, this is sort of like a game of Twister, right? All of a sudden, like the, your right hand on red and you can't reach it and, and the opportunities are, are, are closing. So now if you're a Pac-12 school, you're thinking here, hmm, my options are to stay here for far less money and by the way, I was already complaining that my lack of revenue was looking at the other schools falling behind on the football field. Already, yeah, already yeah. a big gap, and my schools yeah. couldn't compete. And, uh, for me, I still can't figure out why every top recruit in the world doesn't go to UCLA. No <laughs> offense to all the others, but you know, if I'm the best football player in the world, I am going to UCLA. If I'm the best swimmer, if I'm the best whatever, I'm, I'm touring westward. I'm getting an ice cream sandwich at Diddy Reese. I'm walking across the campus. I'm like, you know what? This is the place for me. But that, for some reason, that doesn't happen. Okay, everybody wants to go to the SEC. So the choice was go somewhere else for survival and, and get more money to close that gap and be able to compete um, or stay in you know, loyalty of 100 years of a conference and, and see if you can make a go of it. And clearly, the majority said, we need to get out of here because we need to get paid. That was my first thought. Now, I'm going to let you, I'm going to get one more thought and then I'm going to let you handle both of them. Because as I'm tooling around Twitter and I'm watching all of this unfold and we're writing and we're coming up with story ideas, you know, here comes Rick Pitino on Twitter, right? And so he's taken over St. John's. Now, no more established coach, blue blood coach than Rick Pitino, right? In college basketball. And he's been at the huge programs. So now he's at St. John's, which has always been a sleeping giant in my opinion. He's got a whole bunch of new players coming in, the whole thing, fine. But he says, wait a minute, isn't it time to cleave off football like, we can't have these other sports traveling across the country. And, and you saw that one of the University of Michigan regents made that point on Twitter, the other the really eloquent tweet uh, thread. He's like, just, just have the football thing be different. Let them go wherever the hell they want, fly. But everybody else stays in the conference and plays their regional um, opponents. 
Well, I, where do we stand on that? Because football is totally different, Edmund. Nobody cares about some of these other sports, whether they're playing in the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac-12. This is about football and the broadcast money that it generates. I think that, I think that is going to happen at some point soon. And I think the thing that's going to lead it to happen is that I, I think athletes are, college athletes, some athletes are going to get paid. At some point soon, yes, they're going to be paid like like salaried employees, and uh, I think that's going to happen in football and maybe men's basketball before anything else. And uh, for a lot of reasons, Title IX reasons, also uh, just from financial reasons, uh, to, to do that properly, you essentially need to separate some of these things from the other things, the 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 the, the, the main sports from the others. And I know I've talked to a number of athletic directors in in, in the past few years who are thinking about this exact scenario. What does it look like if my football and men's basketball or football and both basketball programs are in a separate part of the university and then everybody else, uh, the, the, the non-revenue teams, to, to, to use an overused phrase, they're in a different part. So, so this, is, this is happening already to a degree, I think, without question. To answer your, your question about the travel, this I actually think is one of the more overblown parts of, of, the, of, of the conference realignment debate. The, the big conferences now, the Big Ten could very well be 20 schools at this point. Um, I, I don't imagine any Oregon team is going to be flying to Rutgers uh, very often, if ever, that is not a football or a basketball team. Um, and, and the missing same thing out on the Piscataway experience and missing out on the, the mighty <laughs> banks of the Raritan River. Exactly. Exactly. I, th- there are ways I, I, someone told me this the other day, um, and, and I think it's true, but I don't think Alabama football has played Georgia in the regular season in a very long time. There, there are ways that you can structure a conference schedule to avoid uh, specific teams for whatever reason you want it to be, travel being one of them. So, Don't you want to play these teams every now and then, though? Like, you might want to play them every now and then, but again, the, the, these super conferences are going to be so large that you can create little pockets within divisions. them yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that make the travel way easier than, than, than people thinking the volleyball team is flying on a Tuesday morning to play in Rutgers and then flying back to, to Oregon. Um, and some of these schools like, like Oregon um, are not next to huge airports, right? The, to get to Rutgers, you need to fly to an airport and then drive a, a, a little bit. And some schools, particularly in the SEC, are way further away than Rutgers is to Newark. Um, so so there's, uh, it's not just the, the time on, on the flight. Can on I give flight. a value add here? It's Can also, I give you a little yeah, value go add? Go ahead. Jump in news value add. Uh, little birdie told me, and remember, by the way, I, I didn't want to go in the garage the other day, but when all the things were breaking, I was going to go in the garage and open my box of things I had on the desk at our former place. <laughs> okay. Remember my Oregon duck lips? I do you, remember you the Oregon duck they, lips. They, yeah, <laughs> and, and it makes the duck call. I almost went and got a duck, the duck lips out of the, you know, it was late, and I'm like, uh, do I feel like, you know, the spider webs and everything? Um, but I will one of these days. I want to go get the Oregon duck lips out, and we'll, when, we'll do a little video of them. When you blow it now, it's going to say Pac-10, or, yeah, or Big yeah, Ten, exactly. and you're going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. How, How does, does it know? know How does it know? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but, but, uh, but to, to go back to... Wait, that's not no, what I wanted to say. Sorry. Jeez, there was no value add with me saying I was going to go get the duck lips. Little Birdie told me that the folks at Oregon, and when I say folks, I mean folks who matter, are already discussing adding seats to the football stadium. Mm. How that? How's that, how about that for a little value add there? Yeah, already, that's great. It just happened. And I say huge mistake. Remember Stanford took seats out? Learn from Bobby Bowden, man. When you put those seats in, you've got to fill them week in and week out. That is a lot of pressure. I'm not sure Oregon needs on the football program. And, and one of the things that, that definitely remains to be seen, the way that 30,000 foot view, the way I view what happened in the past week or so is that I don't think there are many winners here. 
The, yeah. the Oregon is in a different conference. It's going to get paid a little bit more money, but flash for back a week ago, it was already in a power five conference and it was always getting a, a bit of money. And it had there. the benefactor Phil Knight willing to cut any kind of revenue shortfalls. Totally. So, so some of the schools that have moved to new conferences, marginal winners remains to be seen. I do think there are losers here financially uh, and there are big ones. And, Preach, and I brother. think Cal is was certainly one of them. No public school in the country has more athletic debt than Cal does. Part of its its seismic retrofit uh, now, let's stadium be project. Clear. Let's be clear. No one yep. here is saying Cal's going to default on its debt. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what we're saying is you're still missing out on a whole lot of revenue that you would have had. Yeah, and and and, and Cal is going to be a, and and Wazoo, Washington State has a lot of debt as well, and and they're actually probably in a worse position conference wise than Cal is right now, even though they're both currently on the outside looking in. But the the, the cautionary tale of Cal and and maybe Wazoo and 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 probably some other schools at some point uh, is that people assumed that sports revenue was going to go up exponentially and was going to continue to go up. And Cal took out uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of debt. Uh, some of that is 100 year out in terms of when it has to be paid. Uh, some of it a little bit more than that. Um, built under the assumption that ticket sales were going to go up and media revenue was going to go up. It looks like uh, both those things may go down pretty significantly for Cal moving forward. And even for the, and, and Scott, I want to get your thoughts here too, even for the the schools that are moving to big conferences, the Big Ten, uh, the SEC, let's put the, the Big 12 in there as well. Um, there just seems to be this assumption that, that the networks are always going to want to pay more. And if you're reading, it's not even tea leaves, but if you listen to what ESPN is saying, and if you listen to what CBS has been saying, uh, and Turner, um, all of those groups are, are, are talking about being more selective with what they pay for and how much they pay for well, well, live that's sports the importance. In the that's the importance of what we're seeing form here. What, you know, yep. this is, we are in the tsunami of college athletics. The water has receded from the beach, mm-hmm. right? That big wave is coming. And what that wave, I'm guessing, is going to be is some sort of privatization of those top 40 or 50 schools. And you and I have talked, and this is a good segue into Florida State, oh, but yeah. we've talked about you know, private equity. Remember when Bain Capital tried to buy the NHL during the lockout? Hey, here's $4 billion for all of the teams. You know, this is a place that private equity wants to be, and sovereign wealth. You know, we'll, we'll see what can be done. You know. But if you are the SEC and the Big Ten, you now have how many of the top teams? What you're doing is pretty much locking up any future revenue tied to a college football playoff. Because you're controlling who's in, who's out. This is your baby. And that's broadcast revenue, that's sponsorship, that's a whole lot of stuff. You're, what you're doing is setting up control of the future of the game. That is something that private equity is going to want to be in on. I could see a privatized world of so the top 40 or, or 50 college football programs uh, and then everybody else is just going to go, all right, you can have your cute little conferences and whatever because it's really not playing at the big-time level. Yes, yes, there will be networks that will bid on that as, what do we call it, tier two, tier three programming, sure. whatever it may be. But I, am, I still am of the mindset that tier one sports properties, that being obviously football, the NFL, the NBA. I mean, does anybody think the NBA isn't going to 2x? In its new agree- at least 2x in its new agreement, yeah. the tier one properties. And I certainly put college football in that. College football on its own is the, the number two sport in number America two. behind the NFL. So I've certainly put that there. I would not be worried. I'm not sure I'd, I'd go bongo taking out debt 100 years out. There is a way to go about you know more cautiously. But I would be fairly confident that over the next two decades— the, the main revenue stream 
for co- t- tier one college football, which would be a tier one property in media, is going to continue to escalate. And part of, I think, the thinking for a lot of people in the past decade, and certainly for leadership at the Pac-12, was this idea that even if, if TV networks were getting more selective, that there is this whole new class of, of even richer spenders, like your Amazons, your Apples, and your Netflixes, that will probably be at the table and be willing to buy these things instead. And we just haven't seen it quite yet. We haven't seen the big over-the-top bid from any of these streamers. They're, they're, they're preaching, as we've talked about with MLS, a much smaller audience. So if you're going to do a deal, if Pac-12 had done a deal with Apple, it would have been accepting a, a way smaller audience every Saturday for its football games in exchange for a, a, a more condensed and easier place for its diehard fans to watch. But I don't think streaming has hit the place in this market that a lot of people assume that it would, given the how, how much cord cutting we're seeing uh, right now from a, from a consumer standpoint either. Uh, I wasn't really listening to I was actually working on lyrics. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'm sure what you said, again, I'm sure what you said was great. It was I, genius, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but all, I, all I've got is, oh, Ducks going East, Big Ten is a beast, SEC, ACC, and then I, what, what can I, I mean, there's a lot I can rhyme there. SEC, ACC, it's all getting away from me. I don't know, something like that. I, but I, that's, I was writing it down, I was going to jump in. But I'm sure what you said was really, really smart. No, you should, ch- you should rhyme ACC with private equity. Oh, yes. SEC, yeah. ACC, hello, here co- private here comes, equity. Here comes private equity. Yeah, here comes private equity. All right, and, then, and that's our segue, too. There is our segue. Yeah. Here comes private equity. I like that, Evan. See, there's a reason why you're on this show. Um, <laughs> here comes, oh, it's, it's because you co-founded it with me way many, many years ago. That's why. But, you know, I, just, I meant that colloquially. All right, fantastic. All right, so here comes private equity. JPM, JP Morgan, uh, in, in, or not, helping um, Florida State University raise capital. We hear that Sixth Street is among the firms that uh, is looking at uh, injecting some cash into the program. And I'll let you explain the structure because I know you love doing that. But in essence, if you were another ACC school as Florida State is, and that's kind of the dominant football program, Clemson, Florida State, um, if you're looking to get out, you have to pay some fees to get out. It's not just you can leave. To break contracts, you have to pay to get out. From what we understand, what is it, 120, about $120 million for FSU to get out of its deal with the ACC? Guess how much J.P. Morgan is helping them raise? <laughs> Ballpark, $120 million. So as somebody in, in, the, uh, in the world of college sports uh, put it to me while we were discussing the story before we broke it, it was you know FSU was talking tough, and they were going to come in the next day with the finger on the button. And that's, yeah. that's the finger on the button that we're going to have the cash to do this immediately. It, it's interesting because so much of what we're saying about the Pac-12, um, I think, could very well apply to the ACC relatively soon. Yes. The, the ACC schools and, and, and Florida State's trustees, president, athletic director, were very vocal last week, Scott, in, in, a, in a board meeting, making it clear that they are feeling already the financial gap difference. They estimated over the next 15 years, which is how long the ACC's ESPN deal runs, uh, they're going to be at least a $30 million shortfall per year relative to the school up the street, which is, uh, which is the University of Florida. So you can do that quick math. That's over $400 million that they, they estimate they're going to be losing Can we say down on. the street instead of up the street because of the locations? The of, yeah. <laughs> I know, but I mean, I mean, by the way, I came up with a great term for Florida State looking for money in private equity. Okay. Panhandling. 
It's good. It's good. It's pretty good. It is. Yeah, I was prepared to not like it, Scott, but I, uh, I have to admit it's good. It's, it's good. Um, but but yeah, so so Florida State is is looking to raise money uh, from private equity. It would be, from what we understand, it would be the first time that a private equity fund is is, is investing kind of directly into college sports at a, at a at a university or at an athletic department level. The structure here would be essentially the same thing we've seen from so many of the private equity investments into pro sports in European soccer into New Zealand rugby uh, into into golf you roll up every all the commercial assets into its own new company and then you allow private equity to invest into a buy a chunk of that company and then they recoup their investment uh, via future TV deals and, and essentially this is a loan and and the interesting thing to me is that the way this is structured, and I, we don't know the full details, but if Sixth Street is is doing this deal, I would imagine the economics are going to be uh, better for Sixth Street than they would be for a bank that Florida State would go to and just lend money from. But there's a strategic angle, I'm sure, to this as well. Sixth Street owns Legends. Yep. It is the hospitality, sponsorship, uh, concessions. It, it is the do-everything kind of consultant and middleman across a lot of professional sports. Uh, they already do work on, on Florida State's campus. Um, I imagine that part of this this interest in, in Sixth Street from a Florida State standpoint is, oh, there, there's more strategic stuff that we can do with Legends, whether it's hospitality at the football stadium or selling more sponsorships university-wide or doing something naming white, whatever it is. A double and, header with the Bay Area NWSL team. Come on. <laughs> also uh, an investor in majority owner of the Bay Area NWSL expansion team. By the way, congratulations, investor Jessica Berman on your wedding. Right. All right. Mm. If I may, congratulations, Jessica Berman on your wedding. Shout out to Jessica. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- there's a lot in there. I think that is, that is kind of interesting, but the, but the main takeaway to me is that I think we are, and I think you would agree with me, Scott, that we are right at the, f- the start of private equity, figuring out a way oh, into, yeah. into college sports. And, and the main way we've seen it so far is um, the private equity funds that, that invested in, in Learfield IMG uh, back when. Um, but we have not seen it at a, at a university level. And as everybody starts talking about it's uh, the, the kind of the financial imbalance between different conferences, um, there's pools of money waiting to get into this world. And uh, I'm not saying people should take it, but it looks like Florida State may be the first. One last thing I'll say on, on the ACC um, the, the 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 ACC TV deals again. There's 13 more years left on it. The, that deal expires after the next round of negotiations for the SEC and the Big Ten. And, and so much interesting machinations. You mentioned at the start how much of this is is really just a TV money thing, but so much of this is also about timing. And and the Big Ten jumping the pack, the the Big Twelve Big jumping 12. the Pac Twelve, uh, yep. timing wise was a huge deal. And everyone in the ACC is looking at the fact that by the time they have their chance to renegotiate their deal, the the pack, the SEC and the Big Ten, the two richest leagues in 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 the country by a long shot, are going to have their another deal on top of the one yep. that they already have that's bigger. So there's a lot of timing in this as well that is uh, that I think is, is is causing a lot of consternation. All right. Uh, I would tell everybody we are recording on Monday. This hits Tuesday. We're going to have a guest op-ed from Rick Burton, professor uh, at sport management at Syracuse University. And I think sometimes it's really – by the way, he compares all this to a game of risk, hmm. <laughs> yeah, which, which I think that's is right. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a really good column. I, I suggest everybody read it. Um, but I think a really good way to do this, and I'll make it a, a kind of an editorial decision here, I love viewing all this through individual snapshots. 
it's so hard to wrap your, your your head around all of it. I mean, I get it. We, we like to take 30,000-foot view, and we've done that. I thought we did a really good job, and many have. But you can now take snapshots at individual universities, athletic departments. We did that years ago when uh, Rutgers moved to the to the Big Ten. Yeah. And, I mean, it's still the most subsidized athletic department in the country. It's uh, I would say nobody thinks that has worked out well for the Big Ten, or I don't even think for Rutgers. You tell me. Um, but you mentioned like Cal, going to be a great little snapshot. Was- Washington State, great little snapshot. I'd be really curious. Look at my alma mater. What is up with Syracuse? They, they, you know, it was all this race out of the Big East to get themselves to the ACC. You know, the football team was down a little bit, but Syracuse traditional power in basketball hasn't been so great lately, but they fit in nicely with Duke and Carolina and Virginia in the basketball world. Now what? Now what? You, you, you're not part of a great de- you know, demographic area in central New York. Nobody really thinks of you as a New York team despite the fact that years ago they tried to do it on the, remember the ads on the top of cabs, the taxi cabs, New York's, New York City's college team? No. Rick Pitino's in town, my friend. He's in Queens. He's going to be playing at Madison Square Garden. That's gone. So what do they do? Where, where it, are you going? Is that, are they even an attractive property to somebody? Right? Somebody begging Syracuse to join their conference? If you were ranking the ACC teams by what a big conference wants, you have Clemson and Florida Clemson, State, Florida I think, State. are the clear top yeah. tier. Your next tier is probably Miami and Virginia. Yep. And, and Syracuse may be in the, the mass of a, of a five or six school tier what a good below. Pl- what a good position to be in right now. That. Fifth or sixth tag along. Yeah, it's 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 a tough spot. And again, if what happens in the in what happened in the in the Pac-12 happens in the ACC, where you get one big one goes this way, one big one goes that way, then suddenly two or three big ones go again because they feel like it's ending. Yeah, it puts everybody in in a really interesting spot. And 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 maybe the future, Scott, at some point is a is a is a basketball heavy conference yeah. again. The, exactly yeah. the kind of thing that that broke up and the Big East kept part of it and has done a, a fairly good job uh, given all of the all of the other economic forces happening around it but I would not be shocked at UConn is another one that, that chased football glory in a way that has really really financially hamstrung the university um, mm-hmm. but is a blue blood of blue bloods from a basketball standpoint um, so so I think there is an, an avenue maybe in the future we'll see but you're right I think Syracuse is in a is in a strange position and if I was anyone that was not one of the those orange going to get squeezed Rhyme that one. Yeah. You literally hit your head on the mic. That sound was you hitting your head on the microphone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I love that you're thinking about this whole episode in uh, Billy no, Joel I, lyrics. I, yeah. I, well, yeah, well, I am, but like that was just the orange going to get squeezed. That's what we're talking about here. It's, it's nice. You know what else we should write about? And I'm sure we will. You know, I could see it playing out. All this craziness is, is going on. Regents are voting and presidents are talking and, and every back and forth. And I could just see Pete Bavacqua with his feet up at Notre Dame. You, you know, he, had, he was running NBC Sports, negotiating the new broadcast contract with Notre Dame. Then he leaves. You know, to replace his Jack Swarbrick. So he, now he's in the chair at Notre Dame, negotiating new TV deal probably with NBC, knowing, of course, all the insides there. Uh, and you know he's going to get a nice increase. You, you know, you know that's going to happen. For he knows sure. the thinking. Yeah, my boy, he's, he's loving life outside the conference. What, wasn't it? How long ago was it people saying that Notre Dame, to stay alive, to be Notre Dame, they had to join? They needed the stability of a conference. I think they're pretty happy where they are right now. Yeah, I think there's a chance that I think that still plays out. I think one of the tough things for, for Notre Dame, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if, if they join a conference, they are now contractually obligated to join the ACC. 
I think that that's uh, I mean, true. they did the bad. They were a basketball ACC school. I know, and I th- I thought as part of that deal in in COVID, kind of getting to loop into the ACC Shout from out a scheduling to standpoint, I believe meant that that if if they decided to join a conference, the ACC was going to be their landing spot. They okay. certainly don't want to do that. that that's not happening yeah. now, so, right? Yeah. So that that I think is is, is well, maybe somebody the was big very question. prescient though. It was some low level lawyer was very prescient. Say we have an out clause though. You see, if the entire Pac twelve collapses and there's less than five <laughs> teams and there's only really two conferences left. <laughs> And there's 20 teams. Then we have the option to tear that part up. Yeah. So, so to, right. to, to, the degree to that kid, to the degree that people think of Notre Dame as an ACC school, it's not obviously, but they would be the number one most valuable school. But I, I do think that there, I think there is some obligation to the ACC that, as we said, Notre Dame definitely does not want to execute now. One last thing I'll say on this, Scott, because it's, it's, it's going to become a bigger topic now. You mentioned Rutgers in there financially probably in retrospect, a really bad move for the, for the Big Ten. Um, at what point do we, if we do see schools getting kicked out of these conferences? It, it doesn't feel very well, there different. there are thresholds of, you, you, have to have, you have to sell a certain number of seats. You have to, I mean, there are thresholds that teams have to have There to are, and it, it, But if, they're not very high. If schools like Oregon and Washington are willing to say to all of its peer, everyone else in the Pac-12, bye. You know, we know yeah. we're doing this. It's gonna, it's gonna stab everybody else in the back. But we're going for greener pastures. That doesn't feel that different than the Big Ten at some point telling Rutgers, yeah, look, bye you're bye. gonna get a fifty percent stake, a fifty percent share of of the payout, or you can leave and take and, nothing. And by the way, in perpetuity, and, and, that, and you and I hate the perpetuity. That's never going up. Yeah, you can have fifty percent in perpetuity. Hundred percent. So, so I do think at some point there are some schools that are in the big conferences now that I would bet are going to have some hard conversations with some of their peers about either taking money or or going else, taking less money or or going elsewhere because the the even split for conferences that have a Vanderbilt and a Georgia in them, um, I don't think is going to last very long. Do you see a world in which we let this play out? It all happens and. Somehow, university university presidents wake up and say, "What did we allow to happen? What did I, we yes. allow to happen?" And then everybody kind of everybody sort of like you know when you see things go in reverse really fast when they rewind the tape and it goes back and everybody goes back to where they were. The Pac-12 will be whole again. <laughs> You're going to see USC and UCLA in 15 years will be back as part of the Pac-12. You'll have a Big East that includes Syracuse and Georgetown. And you know if you don't have the football revenue, that's okay. But so, I, is there a private island meeting of university presidents where they look at each other and say, "Are you? what did we do? do i i love this thought exercise i think you're I, yeah i can't imagine there's not a world where at least some people that made decisions in the past 72 hours um at some point later are like whoa we really rushed to judgment on yes. abandoning this or thinking this was better um you just there it seemed like everything was so close to a razor's edge between signing a grant of rights to stay in the pac-12 or leaving for the big 10 uh or 10 minutes apart in terms of what the decision was going to be um i just can't imagine that that the decisions that get made this this quickly and this kind of reactionary wise uh don't end up biting some people uh in the backside at some point down the line um and, and to me again as i mentioned before if that were to happen i think the thing that that causes it is a dramatic shift in what networks and streamers are willing to pay for live sports content. Right, and, and, and if that changes, boof, look out. All right, so now I'm going to close, close the pod with, I'm trying here. I mean, this was real time because you just said that you get, you get bitten in the tuchus, right? Yeah. So it's something to the effect of like, you know, college playoff push and then something big, type, big bite of tush. So I'm, if, I can, if I can rhyme college playoff push 
and tush, I think that's a successful exit of this show. Our, our show on Wednesday is just going to be Scott doing uh, doing a full rendition of We Didn't Start the Fire. Three verses, no, 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 chorus, too, the whole thing. No, I already owe one of our sponsors a haiku at a coming event. Oh, so that's I, simple. I, I, no, that's no, like no, it seems simple. Words, I, it simple. seems simple. Yeah. That's why it's more work. I have to re... Each word, each syllable matters. I have to really think about that one. For, for the next one, though, I will go in the garage. So I have until Wednesday. I will go in the garage, and hopefully the uh, the duck lips will be in the box, uh, with along with the Cosmos ball, my Black Knight, which is supposed to represent Rutgers. It's not Scarlet. Sorry, my Penny Hardaway, little little Penny doll, my Nadav Hennefeld bobblehead with the head broken off, and who else did I have in there? I had a bunch of fun stuff. Oh, my my NBA small NBA trophies that have broken also. Um, what else was in that box? Remember what was on my old desk? I love it. I think you leave him, leave him guessing, Scott. A little, little right. teaser until we go into Scott's garage. Uh, <laughs> he is Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The show is produced by Aaron Greenewald and Keith Zanardi. Shout out to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. Woohoo!